0: This is the ResetMD podcast. We welcome you to join in on our conversations with fellow physicians. Many of us in medicine reach a point in our careers where we want to make a change. Hit a reset button. Wouldn't it be nice to have some guidance from colleagues who'd been there too and have pearls of wisdom to share? These well-being conversations will cover a range of topics, Thriving in Medicine, Physician Health, Burnout Prevention, Work-Life Integration, Practice Optimization, Advocacy, and Support. And we'll just have some fun doing it. Listen in and start your Reset. Hi, welcome back to the Reset MD podcast. Today we have Dr. Eileen Barrett. And I first um, probably heard Dr. Barrett's name through the ACP, where she's held many leadership roles. Currently, she's a hospitalist in New Mexico, and I am so excited to have her here to talk a little bit about what brings wellness to her and maybe some of the resets that she's had in her life. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Barrett.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and thank you also for this it's just this really great work that you're doing. It it, it means a lot, uh, particularly during it, particularly during a long hard time.
0: But um, but even if it weren't a hard time, thank you. It's been really fun to have these conversations with other physicians and and really hear what works for them. So so thank you again for being here. I'd love for you to, you know, introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, rather than reading your your long bio of accomplishments. I'd love to hear how you would like to be known.
1: Sure, thanks. Um, so I'm Eileen Barrett and I am a hospitalist in internal medicine. I'm also, um, well, I'm a medical educator. I'm a volunteer, I'm a, I'm a partner, I'm a dog mom, um, I'm a reader, <laughs> um, I'm a mentee and a mentor. And, um, and I've been in academia and in the community and I've worked in this country and I've worked in other countries. And I am really, um, I guess, unrelated maybe to my introduction, but I can't help but bring up. I'm. I just have this abiding gratitude that um, that I get to that I get to be a physician. Um, not everybody gets to, and I'm grateful that I get to.
0: Mm. What a wonderful introduction, and so many different facets to to who you are, as a person and as a physician. And I loved how you described yourself as a mentor and a mentee, so a learner and uh, and an educator at the same time.
1: Yeah, thank you. Those, I mean, those roles mean so much to me. I've recently been thinking about who are the people who have changed the professional trajectory of my life, and and maybe maybe before I say a little bit about that, I perhaps should back up and say that although I'm so glad that we crossed paths through um, ACP and I'm looking forward to doing so even more. I am a former governor of an ACP chapter. I'm a former regent. I'm the chair-elect designee for the the ACP board. I'm the chair of the American Medical Women's Association Advocacy Committee and I'm a district chair for the Society of Hospital Medicine. So um, I have been able to work with really remarkable people in lots of places and have recently been reflecting on how the trajectory of my career, but also the trajectory of my life has been changed by having received key advice at key times, sponsorship, um, uh, direction, um, sometimes corrective advice, and that's always the best, um, but also just support from so many different people and then what a true privilege it has been to at times be able to extend those things forward to other people in the ways that i'm able to
0: Mm, yeah i love that key advice at key times how has that how has that helped you along your path
1: Oh, uh, um, there almost are too many examples to mention, um, but that I feel that the people who have given me the little pieces of advice are the ones that have often resonated the most, the ones that they didn't have to give that were based on observing my behavior or my actions or, or, and always with my best interest in mind. Has been um, have been such gifts. I mean, even w- one one example that I I bring up is um, from when I just joined the board of governors, and I was in my 30s. I was I didn't expect to win the election. It was a special election, off cycle. Everybody else had met each other, and I didn't know any of them. And I joined the board of governors, and we were in a breakout session. And I felt like everybody in there was. Most people were older than me. most people held academic positions, um, some very senior in and very truly, truly accomplished in so many different ways. And we were having a discussion. and at the conclusion of it, I appreciated that one person, in this case, Dr. Dr. Lisa Ellis, that um, she just said to me, um, you know I, I i I couldn't hear you, and you're you weren't really projecting your voice. And I asked if you were able to, to raise your voice, and and it sounded as though you heard me, um, and I'll ask you again, but not everybody else will, and then they just won't hear you. And I appreciated that she that that small bit of advice, the idea that not everybody else will give you two chances, and um, and I know that that wasn't as she was saying she wasn't elevating herself there. She was pointing out a statement of fact, and I appreciated that. Um, also, uh, um. Dr. and Moyer has sent me different articles at different times that were brief, concise, that touched upon something I had said or done that she just thought would resonate with me and that could help me take things to the next level. And the advantage of an article is that particularly that you can read it at a different time. And she always would just have like a couple sentences about it ahead of time. Um, also uh, uh, Dr. Marie Brown, who's also a uh, former uh governor and I knew her through the board of governors that she also was someone who had pointed out that how I decide who I decide to sit with that make it be deliberate um, when we're gonna be going to work meetings um, and to sit at the table. And if I don't sit at the table, then don't be surprised if I feel like that I don't have a voice. And, um, And so many other things there. Uh, that have just been these just these small moments, these inflection points that were just so meaningful to me, because they were really acts of kindness um, and acts of generosity on their parts. I took them a little bit of a different direction than you had asked, Dr. McCarry. I'm sorry. Um, I just started to sort of um, muse there a little bit.
0: Oh, that was wonderful. And I think you, you know, we always ask our, our um, conversation in our end of our conversations, excuse me, you know, give us some pearls for wisdom. Uh, And you just gave us, gave us three amazing, um, just like you said, just best interest. Somebody took a, a small interest in something that maybe just this tiny little aspect of, how can you be heard? How can your voice be heard and gave you such little pearls? And you've taken those to heart. And I think, you know, to reiterate those, it's really, you know, make sure your voice is heard, whether that's the volume or where you sit or who you have just a casual conversation with, because you're not sure where that's going to go. And to have, have someone be an advocate for you to send you these little short articles just to say, hey, this might be something that you're interested in, I think is is so powerful. and as it's, And it speaks to that mentorship and sponsorship and just helping people move along. And I know for you, advocacy and leadership are important drivers for you for the work that you do. And I would love to hear a little bit more about what fuels that for you. Oh, um, you know, I think
1: that um, advocacy is, I think it's to be, I think to be a physician is certainly to be a teacher, but it also is to be an advocate because we have the practice of advocating for our patients um, and to advocate for their best interests. Certainly that can be in the ways that we can think conventionally having to do with say like, on Capitol Hill or something, but it also is every time you make a phone call um, uh, about, um, every, every time you have a conversation with say the charge nurse to see if we can extend the visiting hours, right? Um, every time we have a conversation with the um, with an insurance company, I mean, I hope that those calls go away, right? But, um, but that mm-hmm. is an of advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, every time that we um, try to make a change in our um, office or hospital workflows, that relieve us from some administrative burden so that it gives us more time at the bedside or um, at the um, in the clinic room with the patient. That all of those are all of those, I think, are flexing the same muscle, and it's the same skill set because we're not asking. I mean, we are asking for ourselves, but we're asking for the patient, and sometimes that feels better. Um, but foundationally, the, the the dyad relationship between um, between a healthcare worker and their patient, um, can be so transformative for both of us that that relationship deserves the nurturing that comes from some advocacy, and um, and so it really is just flexing the same muscle. I feel like whenever we go sort of um, make that make that 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 work bigger or smaller. So if the bigger work is then working with your state legislature to say try to um, get Policy revised to change. Say one of the things I'm really passionate about is access to um, access to um, medications for substance use disorders um, among vul- vulnerable patients. Who, of course, right now everybody is vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's mm-hmm. made vulnerable by the pandemic. I mean, all of us should be able to have vulnerability with each other, right? But I mean, everybody's made vulnerable by the pandemic. But particularly, um, the things I've been interested in have been um, very passionate about have been the care of people with um, uh, um, alcohol use disorders and also the care of people with um, opioid use disorders and having access to those medications, um, both within uh, healthcare systems, but then also um, in the carceral system and also in, um, well, in even more broadly. So I've been able to do some work related to research which has been a blast to do with it really connects me to my sense of purpose is to be able to be the mentor for um, students and residents on research projects um, related to this work and then to scale that up to advocacy Um, that is has been we've been fortunate has been picked up in local media such as on um, our local NPR station also um, within our um, the Santa Fe New Mexican is a is a newspaper in, in Santa Fe, which is our capital, and then the, um, some work in the Albuquerque Journal that is the largest newspaper in the state and also some of the other smaller papers. So that work has been, um, ha, it, I guess what fires me there and maybe what I'm picking up on from hearing my own voice change here is about, um, and is that it helps connect me to my sense of purpose in multiple dimensions, which is the improving the care of the patients, improving the patient-centeredness of care, Um, decreasing the sense of, um, we can feel a sense of powerlessness um, when taking care of someone who has a substance use disorder because we pick up on their feeling of powerlessness, but then also the gift it gives me to be able to work with these brilliant um, students and residents who want to make the world a better place so that we can, and that I have the opportunity to say, oh, okay, this is something you're really passionate about well, we can do a research project and our research project, then we can, can be our platform for advocacy and that. And just see how excited they are and the amazing work that they do really, really drives me. Um, and, and I think that it drives all of us. I don't mean to say that that is something that is special about me. Um, it just is, it happens to be something that I'm really lucky that I get to tie together a number of different things that I love to do almost under one umbrella, if you will, Dr. McCurry, did that, mm-hmm. did that come together at all?
0: <laughs> that makes total sense. And, and, you know, I think the question was what fuels you? And I think that came through very clearly, as you said, just that ability to, you use the word kindness earlier in another context, but I think that, you know, to have that kindness with your patient and then be able to, as you give back some of that power, or try to take back some of that power that's being taken away and to give voice to your students and all this, it just expands. And so even when I'm talking about it, my voice changes because it's so exciting to be able to do things that really drive your purpose. And so I think you absolutely answered my question um, and expanded on that in such a great way. And, And we talked before we started recording briefly about, resets. And that's the name of our podcast, the reset MD podcast, and what that actually means. And it means different things for different people. Um, but I'd love to have, uh, a little bit of an exploration of what you feel like have been, um, pivots for you, whether that be in your life or your career, um, that really have helped you get to where you're going now, where you are now, and where you may be heading in 2022. Oh, yeah. So um,
1: I really appreciate that your frame was, which is the, which is that you used, the, you used it plural. And um, because of course we have so many of them, we have so many different ways that we reset and so many different ways that we pivot. And I appreciate, because that takes the pressure off of me from having to choose just one. Um, I think that if I had to choose two, and that they really are related, which is um, choosing to go to academia and then also choosing to leave academia. So I chose to go to academia um, in part because I had been a chapter governor in ACP. And at the time, I had, um, I had just finished working um, for almost, I mean, almost a decade in rural New Mexico um, for the Indian Health Service. And... Um, in between, and then I was a disaster. Really, I mean, right now we all do disaster medicine, but I was a disaster worker and had been an Ebola responder in West Africa, and um, and I and it and it and the work changed me. And I we so often use we talk about how something is life changing, and I I try not to use that term unless it truly changes my life. And in my case, being an Ebola responder really did, and it taught me so many lessons about. I mean, a lot of the conversations that, it, as a mm-hmm. country, certainly were having, belatedly having to do with um, racial justice and racial equity, and, um, and that, and that I came to, and that I came to late also too. Um, it also taught me so much about our shared humanity and the importance of a sense of purpose. And really, it it brought home to me when I had read Viktor Frankl's book uh, *Man's Search for Meaning* when I was in medical school, and that idea that one can Endure nearly anything if if you can find a sense of purpose in it.
0: Um, is, is that a book that you've happened to read, have read already? More than once. Wonderful um words of wisdom again coming out of that um experience that he had.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and how and 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 his and his faith in humanity, of course, from it too. And his um and humanity writ large, but also in the person next to him and in front of him, and the person he hasn't met before. And so that was to me the abiding thing that I remember from that time I, I'm, I, I, I would love to hear what what you remember most from that book. Um, um, for, for me, it was that which is that about what one can endure if they can find purpose. And so um, and, and also our shared sense of humanity and how much we depend on each other and um, and what is the role of small kindnesses so. I decided to go within all of that context. Decided to come to academia because someone I respected tremendously, Dr. Rush Pierce, he had he had recruited me, and um, and one of the reasons why I thought to was that I thought that I, I really wanted to work more closely with learners, and um, and I loved doing that. And in my time with academia, the the reason I recognized that the two reasons why I was in why I was working where I was working was one was to pay, was to be able to work with learners for all the reasons I, I feel like that. We've covered to some degree, right? Um, and because it, it, it I, learned, I gained so much from working with learners. Um, and then, so it's like foundationally selfish, you know. But also, you know, what do I do? I have any skills that, and do I have any tools that can be, that can be meaningful to them as someone who has had different work experiences? And, um, uh, and then deciding to leave academia though, realizing that well, I, I can take the best possible things from this which is that I can continue to work with learners as a community faculty appointment. um, And that all of us can do that. Right. But then the other was that I found that I really just, I I really want to focus on patient care because that is the reason why I became a doctor um, was because I always wanted to take care of patients. And so for me, then my second reset is making that decision and transitioning um, from academia and keep taking And being able, being grateful also to take the best part, which is still being able to do research and advocacy um, with learners, with and without learners, right? But then also being, um, doing more bedside medicine and doing more clinical care. Um, I, uh, so I I guess that is my reset story. Um, and, uh, and, And what I'm really, Excited about it's a transitioning that's happening right now, <laughs> and um, and that and, and all transitions are, are all change requires, um, you know, there's there's um pain points and then growth points, right? And every time that I just learned this, which is that you know, every time it feels like that that maybe like the mind is running or that the, the heart is racing. Like that's what minds do. And that's what hearts do. Just, I search for the diastole in my heart, right. And know that, right. I chose this because this is really what I want. And, uh, and I'm really excited for
0: it. Oh, I'm really excited for you too. And, and I think, that excuse me, as the Reese, as you're talking about, there's not just one reset usually in most individuals lives and particularly in people who have so many passions and want to do different things. It's so important to, to be able to do all those things and we can't always do them all at one time. And so sometimes we have to um, kind of do the one for a while, kind of go to another, take what we learn from both of those and then maybe go a different place. And so you're returning to, Uh, this bedside clinical medicine and and doing a different type of work, but you're bringing all that you've learned along the way. And you get to kind of create this next phase of your life. And, and as you work through the transitions, the, the positive and negative aspects of that and, and what that may bring you, as you said, it's exciting. It's, it's a little scary, but exciting at the same time. And I think that that aspect of resets and, and the change that we have in our lives at times is that, that aspect of it that's so interesting is what keeps us doing it. So I, I uh, definitely understand that and and am, am looking forward to seeing what you're doing in this next chapter of your career. Oh, thank you. And thanks for that like beautiful summary. And
1: I, I really, I find that um, when you said that we can all do it all at the same time. I wish that that was something that, um, that we can do all these different things, but we don't have to do them all at the same time, that we have time. I I hope that that is something that, um, that every, I wish that that was something that everyone was told when they were finishing residency
0: because we have time.
1: So thank you. That was beautiful that you said it.
0: No, I, I definitely agree. Thank you that, you know, I've, I've been in a situation where I've tried to do all the things I wanted to do at one time and you get overwhelmed and it's hard to continue to do that. And personally, I've had times where I've kind of pulled back from roles and said, you know, I need to concentrate on this right now. And it's given me this time for reflection and recovery from that feeling of either being burned out or overwhelmed. And then as you start to kind of get excited about things again and want to add them back into your life, it's that really, it's a big balance of making sure you don't um, get back in that situation. So I was curious that, you know, as you've participated in these different roles and had these passions and purpose, what are things that you do for your own personal wellness to try to um, kind of keep that ongoing while you're trying to do these other things?
1: Um, you know, I, I think that that has changed over time, and that that has also changed. Not unlike how you had said, how um, we 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 can't do everything that we 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 can't do everything at once, um, and nor should we. Right? We should spread out that joy. Right? Um, I, I feel that way about the things that are about wellness, which is also that. it it evolves with the situation for me and um but that it also doesn't have to be everything at once and I try to spread it out so at different times in my life it was more of the conventional things having to do with um going for long runs and going on hikes and taking all my vacations and um really immersing myself in like the built environment like um I don't know my first job out one of the things was that if I was sort of like um just uh when I got off service, one of the things I had to do was like paint a room. <laughs> well, I had a documentary on something like that, you know, in my home. But, um, but I think that over time that has also changed. And, and for me at different times, it has been about really going all in on my sense of purpose um, and my sense of meaning. And that was often having to do with, um, with um, being a mentor um, and also Um, being a mentor and also being an advocate. So I was just telling a friend how I had this, like in some ways, I characterized it as maladaptive. She characterized it as not maladaptive, but that (laughs) one of my stress responses, she just called it very unusual. One of my stress responses sometimes is that I'll write a letter to the editor or write an (laughs) op-ed. And I know that that doesn't make a bit of sense. It doesn't sound like it, Um, but I'll write one about something that I'm really passionate about having to do with, public policy, health policy or um, the care of the patient. And, um, and it's been, because it just gives me a little bit of, um, I was gonna say adrenaline, but it really is actually serotonin um, and um, to, to write it. And then also if it gets published, then it's that feeling, but then there's also a little bit of oxytocin in the way that others respond to it and how we feel connected on our shared sense of purpose. So um, so that's been something that I've done during the pandemic as I don't know, maybe I've had um, in different papers, maybe 10 letters to the editor that have been published or so. So that has been something that's been a little bit fun, um, maybe maladaptive, who knows. Um, some other things I've been trying to do that are just a little bit more conventional is trying to um, nurture beauty. So today I'm going to plant um, 30 iris bulbs in my backyard, and um, a few weeks ago I planted uh, 40 um, tulip, daffodil, and hyacinth bulbs, just so that they will become whenever they come up, I will be grateful for them, and it'll be a little surprise and a little bit of a shock of beauty. And the act of doing it, I feel like gardening is is a gesture of um, faith and hope. And, uh, so those are some of the things that I'll do sometimes.
0: Mm, A gesture of faith and hope. I love that. And I love all of those bulbs that you talked about those flowers. I have them in my yard. I haven't planted any new ones recently, but I agree with you. It's so, so nice to see them start to pop up and, and we're across the country from each other. I'm in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. you're in New Mexico, and we've had this crazy weather where it's been 70 and now it's 30 outside. And so my little bulbs are starting to try to come up, but I, um, I'm trying to keep them in the ground a little bit longer (laughs) for that, but, um, you know, you're talking about maladaptive or, or, um, or positive in that way for your, how do you get rid of that stress? And I think, you know, it's, it's a different perspective depending on who's looking at it. But what I heard you say is that, you know, I have this energy, I have this stuff that's kind of brewing and that like putting it out on paper, typing it out, sending it as an op-ed, you know, it's my way of processing that. And so it's almost like it helps kind of relax you. And as you talked about all the neurotransmitters and, uh, and all the good ones that we want more of, it's, it's just a way to, to kind of settle ourselves when we feel that stress for some people, it's that getting out and running, um, and for other people, it's, it's writing out or, or speaking the words that, that help them and, and then getting out and gardening, I think is a great combination of both of those for bringing beauty to the world.
1: Yeah. And, and selfishly, it's also bringing beauty to me, but it is also to the world. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's okay to do those selfish things. I think too. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah I'm like fully transparent, that I'm like, oh yeah, I just love this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so thank you also for seeing that. Yeah. And, and I'd love to ask you a few little fun questions if I may (laughs) along the way. So um, we talked about you being in New Mexico and I have only flown over New Mexico, not set foot in it. And I know that you mentioned that you love doing outdoor things. So for folks who haven't been to New Mexico, or it's been a while, what would be your recommendations for some, some fun outdoor activities to do um, that we can put on our calendar, hopefully in the future?
1: Oh, well, I think everybody who comes to New Mexico, who I I think that one of my most, one of the most beautiful places that also is so rich with history and culture is to go to Chaco Canyon. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is um, north and west of Albuquerque by maybe about two and a half hours. It's um, an ancestral Puebloan site. And um, the scope and the scale of the um, of the ruins there do make a lot of the other ones look like just a pile of rocks. But the, the seeing how um, advanced the culture was, then of course is also part of how the culture is so advanced right now. And one can see the ties to and sort of the history of New Mexico there, which is indigenous history and then the coming of the conquistadors um, and then the coming of, um, of uh, white people. Um, there's less there about African-American history and um, and Asian-Americans and other groups, but it is, um, it is staggeringly beautiful. Um, so I, I would recommend that to everyone. And I'm so glad you asked me that because that makes me think, you know what? I'm gonna go there tomorrow so um, (laughs)
0: thank you for asking me thank you I'm so glad I get to contribute to the addition of beauty in your life uh, this weekend even more than it already is and and what what are you reading right now
1: um I just finished actually I'm I just finished a book that was called the big oyster by Mark Kurlansky which he's a writer who has written about um how different foods have shaped the history of different places, and in this case, it was about how oysters had shaped New York. I'm originally from New York, but I've been a New Mexican since for 16 years, and so I appreciated how um, both the sort of the the science of um, about about the ecosystem and about oysters in the ecosystem, but also about the history of New York for um, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And uh, so I just finished that. But then right now I actually have at my bedside a book that really isn't reading. Instead what it is is art as therapy and every day you have a different lesson in it. And so one day the lesson was to draw a comic strip. And one day it was to close your eyes and draw a portrait from memory. Um, and the idea is to be creative without, an, without wishing to have perfection. And, um, and I've really enjoyed
0: that. Oh, that sounds so interesting. I have, I have not gotten into art uh, as therapy, but I've really enjoyed um, exploring narrative medicine this past year, and that's been something for me. And and again, as you're a writer and writing op eds and and many um, scientific uh, articles, I think it's. It's a totally different way of thinking about writing than than what you may be doing in academia right now. And that's been something that's been uh, fun for me to explore as well.
1: Oh, I bet. What are you reading right now? Or what's at your bedside?
0: I have a stack of books (laughs) that, uh, and half of them are um, basically physician wellness books, Mm -hmm. but um, the others are kind of my, uh, oh, I've got to catch up on this series type of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I'm sitting here talking with you, I'm looking at the book that I probably have come back to most this year. It's a book called Effortless by Greg McEwen. And he wrote a book a few years ago called um, essential or essentialism. And, and this is basically kind of what we were talking about, you know, coming to your purpose, but there's so, you can kind of do so many things of that and then get overwhelmed. So he said, once you find your purpose, then how do you make it easy to do that? So that's his take on effortless. And I'm, I'm trying to, uh, uh, implement some of those things in my life at this moment, uh, to continue to do the things I want to do oh that's really
1: wonderful that's that's really lovely um one of the books that I don't know if this is something that is um resonated with you but I also have at my on my um nightstand I have a collection of um short short I mean sometimes three sentence long at most one page um quotes and sayings by Rumi and Mm -hmm. it is such a nice few pages to spend at a time um and I say that because when you were just thinking about effortless, because it, well, the work of reading something that is only a few pages that is like next to your uh, your stand is like, is effortless, right? <laughs> because it's just a few paragraphs possibly. But the other is that the, the way that um, the advice that he lends and the beauty with which he writes it, makes it effortless um, mm-hmm. to think about some of the things actually that you really highlight in, in your podcast. Um, so, so just anyway, I'm, I'm glad that you're reading those and thank you for sharing those with me.
0: Thank you. And I will definitely look into that, 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 uh, you know, if you say you're going to read a page every day, it's a whole lot easier than reading a, a book a week. So kind of giving yourself that, uh, grace to, to be able to do uh, a little bit and not have to go all in is really nice too.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah. I, okay. I have so loved talking with you and I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, when we stop recording, we'll have opportunities in the future to continue to have some of these conversations. I would love if you would, we've talked about so many, uh, important things today. If you had to kind of give us a few takeaways for, you know, what you'd like the listeners to, to, Ponder a little bit more after they stop listening to our conversation. What would those be?
1: Oh, and and so that I make sure that I understand is it for just for professional well being and personal well being? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Just want to make sure. Sorry. I feel like um, maybe the I would say surround yourself with people who you love to be around who also love to be around you and with work that is deeply meaningful to you and for you. And that that is my wish for you, even if it's for someone who I've never met before, that that's what they get to have is work that's deeply meaningful, that makes them feel great about what they do um, and with people who they want to be around, who make them feel good
0: and who they feel good about.
1: Yeah, maybe those would be my
0: pearls. It sounds so um, poetic, but also, you know, and so simple. And I think um, that what you just said, kind of I'll give our listeners a challenge is to really spend some time reflecting and thinking about, you know, what that would look like for them if they, if they had that environment, if they could create that environment that you just mentioned of purpose and people around them that are valuable to them. And I think that that's a wonderful place to, to end our conversation today. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for, um, for talking with me. It was such, it was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you have a great day.
0: You too. And enjoy your beautiful weekend.
1: Mm, You too. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening in on this conversation at ResetMD. If you'd like to reach out to us and continue the conversation for well-being, email us at ResetMDPodcast at gmail.com.